Hi out there. I'm Pat Polly, and I'd like to welcome you to my show, Artbeat Northwest. Each week, we interview someone from the visual arts or the performing arts, and this week, Ray Fortner is here. Now, Ray has been photographing professionally for over 20 years in New York City, in the Northeast, in the Pacific Northwest, and in Canada and Cuba, of course, and we'll talk about that later. Okay. And on Vashon, uh, Maury Island, uh, his home, he's known for his island landscapes, which are used to support the preservation of Vashon's natural areas and historic sites. In Seattle, as executive editor of Wildlands Press, Ray produced the native, uh, the nature photographer Art Wolf's first self-published books, including the award-winning The Living Wild. We all know about that one. <laughs> he leads photographers and other artists on trips to Cuba through WTE. Ray also teaches many wonderful classes on photography and on the business of art. Welcome to the show, Ray. Thank you very much, Pat. It's an honor to be here. Oh, we're so happy that you could come in and talk with us. But before we get started with the interview, I want to talk about the Artbeat Northwest program. Now, Artbeat Northwest is a half-hour-long nonprofit radio program. Now, we're not like those other nonprofits. We don't spend any time raising funds because we don't have that many expenses. And I donate my time. But our mission is to promote the visual arts and the performing arts in the Pacific Northwest. Now, you can listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. on 11.50 a.m. or online at 1150kknw.com. And that streams worldwide. So if you have friends in France or Australia or even uh, Florida, they can listen at their time, right? And we interview people, of course, uh, from the arts and uh, the goings-on at the local art scene. But you can listen to all past programs by going to 1150kknw.com and check, uh, just push the button that says Archives. And all of the programs are there uh, by title and date. Now... Why do we do this? Well, personally, I'm someone who loves the arts. I love talking about art and talking with artists. And, uh, you know, we in the art world need the publicity. So the program has been fun and rewarding. And the ads on the program have been donated to the Kirken Arts Center and the Bellevue Arts Museum, two of my favorite places on the east side. We'll be back shortly with Ray Fortner talking about Cuba and taking photographs there right after this break. From new exhibitions to community events, Bellevue Arts Museum is always new, always different, and always exciting. Don't miss Making Our Mark, Art by Pratt Teaching Artists, closing Sunday, April 15th. This exhibition celebrates the influential history of the Pratt Fine Arts Center with diverse works from nearly 300 Pratt teaching artists. From April 13th through August 10th, check out Posada, Jose Guadalupe Posada and the Mexican Penny Press. Known as the father of modern Mexican art, Posada is famous for his popular and satirical representations of calaveras or skeletons in lively guises. More at BellevueArts.org. 
There's a reason they invented the internet. It's called 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here talking with Ray Fortner about visiting Cuba, planning it for 2019. But he has had uh, several trips in the past, and, of course, he's taken a lot of photographers with him, and they took a lot of photographs. So they have a group photography show right now going on at the Mercer Island Community Center. Now let's talk about that, Ray. How did you get that together? And uh, Kind of a long story. It started with my first group in 2016, and I teach a lot of classes, and I often have shows from those classes because I believe in getting people to make art and then show art. And I had a, sh- a class fall through on Vashon Island. So five weeks after we got fr- back from Cuba in 2016, we had a show mounted. And it was people contributing from Texas, Arizona, California, and the Northwest. And we had a very festive opening. And then I went back with another group in 2017. I said, well, I can't have a show for one group and not the other. (laughs) So we basically quadrupled the size of the show. And through a very nice tip from a good friend on Mercer Island, I looked at the Mercer Island Community and Events Center. And we put up the show there. And it's 66 pieces by 22 of our artists. And you ought to go there. For one thing, the Mercer Island Community Center is wonderful. Such a beautiful modern building with this huge area, a common area. And all the way around it are your uh, class photographs, which are wonderful. All the people in your classes, of course, they're from Cuba. They're so colorful. Mm -hmm. And you get to vote for your favorite which is kind of fun, too. So it's Definitely. really, really a fun exhibit. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of guest books. I think when you have a guest book at a show, it's not very useful. So we always do balloting where people can leave comments, and we actually run a raffle to encourage people to even do more voting. And then in a week, um, in April next week, I'll be hanging the ribbons for the um, number one, two, and three in the show. And that's something that each of the students can then claim as, you know, we were first, second, or third in this big group show. Well, you know, that's very nice for the students, but I think the main thing that does, it makes the people look at every Absolutely. picture. I see know? them studying everyone. <laughs> I know. And what I love is when they say, you're making it hard. I said, that's the goal. Yes. Now, how about the backstory on some of these pictures? They're all so colorful, and many of them are uh, of the people of Cuba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the... Um, Thinking about backstories, I gave a presentation for Mercer. We usually do some presentations connected to the show. We had the opening, and then I did did a backstory presentation. And one of the things that came to mind, we were traveling on the countryside down toward Trinidad, which is down on the southern coast, to the east of Havana. And I said to our guide, would there be any problem just stopping in a town? Not a destination that we had planned, but just stop in a small town. Because when we travel, we're making art. The whole idea is we're there to photograph. We want to interact with people, meet people, meet other photographers, see galleries, see museums, but we really want to be making art because we can. We have our cameras. And the guide said we had a little problem with a Mexican group a while ago where the interaction was pretty negative. Uh But she said, I feel that I know your group. And by then she'd been traveling with us for about four days. She said, let's give it a try. So we pulled into this tiny town, and I swear to this day they're probably going, did that really happen? (laughs) Because we're traveling in a comfortable bus. You know, we have creature comforts, but 
We pull into town. Everybody piled off, and the word was, you have one hour. Meet back at the bus. And we had already met a lot of Cubans, so we don't view them as specimens. You know, we're interacting with them. And as I looked around, there were amazing things. Like I see one of the best people photographers, Catherine Morris, up on a front porch going into a living room. She just talks to people and gets their trust and confidence. And we got the most amazing pictures that day. I had one woman say to me, please, no pictures. I always ask first, and we were in a very local store. I was store. wondering about that. And we honor that. If they say no pictures, we don't do it on the sly. We leave. I was hanging around debating whether to buy something. Before I was done, she said, you can take pictures. I think, you know, by not being like a paparazzi where you're running in and out and they say no and you just walk away in a huff. Um, I spent time, you know, interacting with her, talked with her, some of the customers. Before you knew it, I was photographing her and the customers. We had such a great time. And when we left, it it didn't happen here. I'll tell one other story where I wish I had had this the first trip. Um, when we left, I do think they were going, did that really happen? You know, we had a great interaction. I think we left a good legacy that Americans are not the ugly Americans. I think it was really a, a very good time. <laughs> did you give the students instructions on being nice to people first? or are they just Are they just automatically nice people? <laughs> we tend to be lucky, and we normally get nice people. But they're photographers, they're artists, they're sensitive. And I think you're feeling like you're there trying to understand Cubans and trying to make a good impression on behalf of America. Um, People of my vintage will know that we were raised thinking that, and I don't want to get too political, but art is about politics. We were raised to think that Fidel Castro was the devil incarnate. I mean, when I grew up, you know, I was in the eighth grade for the Cuban Missile Crisis, and there was great anxiety over how evil Castro was. And he's not a saint by a long shot. But we were on the bus traveling on the second trip, and they would run videos on the longer trips, so we had something to look at. And during one of the videos, I asked the guide who had produced it, and he said, wait till the end and look for the credit. And I was convinced it was a Cuban government because it wasn't making the Castros out to be saints, but it was upbeat. When it ended, it was BBC. Oh, really? And it just really opened my eyes to yeah. the fact that he was not what our government made him out to be, nor maybe what you know, our leaders were to his people. I mean, there's a lot of that go- goes on. But he was very supportive of the arts, incredibly supportive. So they must have a lot of art there in, <coughs> in Cuba today. A lot of art and some great universities and boarding schools for art. I mean, it really, art is cultivated like nothing I've ever seen in this country on, by the government. Um, one other story I wanted to tell that I thought was quite amazing. The second time, I went with a Fuji instant camera. And the whole idea was I wanted to leave behind prints like you used to be able to with Polaroid. Oh, yes, that's a great idea. Fuji makes a very nice camera. And our guide, we had a lot of gifts left over because we always travel with gifts to give the other artists and our guide and the bus driver. And we had a lot left over. And the guide said, I know a very local school that would love to meet you all and they would really benefit from the gifts because they were mostly art supplies. So we stopped in and it was a little country school that normally on a tour you would never find because we don't do tours, but the guide knew the place very well. There were only 13 students in the whole school in two classrooms, very (laughs) small, with, you know, basically three teachers and a headmistress. And we went in, and I used the instant camera as an icebreaker, and I said to the students, I showed them and tried to explain, and the guides helped me because my Spanish is still pretty basic, 
um, we were trying to illustrate what it was, and they let me get so close to them with that camera. And then, of course, the photo comes out, and you hand it to them. They're looking at it like, what's the big deal? It's a white sheet of paper. And then their likeness starts to appear. Yeah. And some dropped it. Some just started cheering. It was the most amazing time. And after I'd done everyone in the one classroom, I asked if I could use my camera. And, of course, then they had no problem. I could get much closer than you and I are sitting across this table oh, you to take their pictures. pictures. It was unbelievable. And then we're leaving because we're running late. It was an unscheduled stop. We're running late. And the headmistress said, you can't leave without photographing the other class. So we had to stop and go in. And they were even better. There were twins in there. And they were so much fun. And I know to this day those pictures have to be on somebody's refrigerator, someone's bulletin board, somebody's windowsill, proving we were really there. That you know, was it's such, such a people-to-people experience. That was a great idea to have a Polaroid. Yeah, and I'll never go without one again. Because there's trouble. no way you could ship them a copy. And it never, it yeah, it never works. I mean, we sent postcards back, and it took four months to get them. Yeah. Mail gets through, <laughs> but it takes about four months. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's such a great idea. Okay, so this show is on on Mercer Island until... Comes down April 13. So we have until then to go see it. But then where are you taking it? Uh, It's going to go into storage for a little while because we lost a venue that may come back in the fall. But um, July 13th, it opens on San Juan Island at the San Juan Island Community Theater Gallery. And it'll be up for the entire summer. Oh, wonderful. And uh, you all who like to go out to the San Juans in the summertime, stop by at the San Juan Island Community Theater Gallery. And it can be a day trip. You can walk there from the ferry, walk back on, and go home, so you don't have to worry about booking a reservation for your car. You know, that's such a great idea. And then when you get to the island, of course, if you need it, you can get a bike there. That's right, know, and, and places to stay. Or, and, you know. but it's or be you can take your bike on the ferry, too. That's Definitely. So. And then we're hoping in the fall it may go to Redmond Town Center, to Vala, where we were planning to hang right now. But you may know about, I'm sure you know about Vala, but... They um, kind of live in a space at the mercy of Redmond Town Center. When a space is empty, they occupy it. But when it gets rented, they have to move. So we were supposed to be there for May and June, but they had to pull the plug. So we're hoping for fall. Oh, they'll have a space. And we're looking for other (laughs) locations. If your listeners know of any other locations, we're always looking. A good show you want to amortize. You want to keep it out there. Especially when it's fresh like this. Definitely. Now... You are getting another group together. We are. For 2019. Right. And, but things have kind of changed in, with government regulations. Uh, is it going to, is, is this going to work for next We next hope year? it will. You and I were talking before the program, and it, it's a sad outcome that our program for this April did not fill, and that's the first time. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that um, policies have changed out of the White House. You know, there's been such a chilling with regards to Cuba and fear of the sonic attack that's been talked about at the embassy, which is still being debated. But there's um, you can no longer do one to one trips. And people think most travel to Cuba has been shut down. That's not the case. What has been shut down are the one to one trips where you go on your own. The last of those. But your group January. can still but go. But a group can go yeah. as long as you're pre-approved. You have to actually go through the um, government, get your itinerary approved, be working with a bona fide partner down in Cuba, and you're good to go. And, and you are 
uh, in that category. Very bona fide. Yeah, we're looking oh. forward to it. So we're scheduling it now for the end of April, beginning of May next year, 2019. Okay, end of April, beginning of May, yeah. 2019. Exactly. And you can take... We'll be many? doing... Normally we do 14 people. There'll be one or two leaders and one or two guides. So it's usually 14 plus four. And, and these can driver. be photographers or artists. Yeah, I'm happy you mentioned that. Um, these are really visual arts tours or programs, not just photography. And what I'm encouraging is if you're a painter or, you know, a woodblock artist and you use photography for artist reference or you use photography in your collage or mixed media, you're so much better off making your own photographs and working from them than, for example, taking my photograph and turning it into a woodblock or a watercolor. So well, and if you're people. going to enter exhibits, they have to be your own photographs anyway. Exactly. You don't want a shared copyright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or to have to transform it a certain amount to make it unrecognizable. It's much better to do your own. So I know a lot of painters go with painters. Nothing wrong with that. I have good friends that lead tours uh -huh. to Cuba and other places that were painters. We talked about some earlier. But I really um, feel that this is a great opportunity to learn more about camera handling, get the best light, and get those photographs you can go home and paint from rather than do everything plein air. But and you people, also go to museums and we do. studios. Museums, and studios, and we go to some painters. We went to an amazing wood carver in Trinidad last time, and he uses photographs to carve. So it was a very yeah. interesting. We gave him advice on how to light, how to photograph, so he could do more wood carvings. Oh, So okay. there's a lot of synergy. And we've had this last trip, we did have a watercolor painter go with us, who also went with us with WTE to Cuba, I'm sorry, to China and Cuba, and um, Victoria paints plein air and sketches. So she was painting while we were photographing, or she was sketching. So we're not opposed to that either. So just about any artist could go Definitely. and get good information. And every artist needs to know how to photograph anyway. So exactly. You've got to photograph your artwork, folks. That's absolutely <laughs> critical. Don't get me off on that tangent, but, you know, that's one of my foundations for all artists. Right, critical. but... It's already time for a break. All We're right. here talking about a great visit to Cuba and a new one coming up for you adventurous artists in 2019. We'll be back shortly. What color blue is in the sky today? Did you see that sunset? How can I paint that? These are just a few of the things you'll learn by taking an art class at the Kirkland Arts Center. Spring class registration is open now, and it's the perfect time to learn a new skill in drawing, glass mosaic, fiber art, collage, and so much more. Learn from professional art instructors at the Eastside's number one arts learning community. Register now for classes continuing through May and June. At KAC, we believe in the power of the arts to transform and inspire. Learn more online at kirklandartcenter.org. Alternative Talk 1150, online at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to Artbeat Northwest. We're here talking with Ray Fortner about visiting Cuba, planning for 2019. Uh, and, you know, Cuba's so close. You know, it's something we forget about. We think of Cuba as being kind of, you know, a long ways away because we never get to go there. Right. But it's just off our coast. 90 miles offshore. Yeah. It's our second closest neighbor after you figure Canada and Mexico are tied. But another thing that people kind of worry about is what's the, what's the food like? Oh. What it, uh, where do we stay? Uh, 
what's what exactly do you do when you get there? Why don't you talk about your trip a little bit more? Be happy to. It's um, everything these days is getting better and better, and it's in part because of the opening that was created under Obama. Um, when we went the first time, we sort of joked that if you went to a government restaurant, which you could, there was sort of a national menu, and it was basically chicken, pork, or fish, usually all boiled, and some sliced vegetables, and that was maybe rice, and that was the meal. When we went last time, I'm from New York City, and I know good restaurants. I've traveled a bit. Um, the restaurants we went to were on par with any of the best restaurants I've been, went to that I've been to, that I've gone to. Really? What it was a amazing. change. What's happened is the, um, the change in policy, and this is what everyone in Cuba was hoping for, with the increased tourism, they allowed people to open their own restaurants. I remember one we were eating in, and the man said to us on the side, he said, this was my master bedroom. Oh. <laughs> we were in his house, and it's now totally restaurant, and the food was incredible. You know, the presentation, just everything's so fine. Um, so no complaints there, and they have very good hotels. Some people opt to stay in particulars, which are run by families, and I used to stay at that type of place always in Puerto Rico. Sort of like a and b or? Very much so, but they tend not to have a lot of room. So if you travel with a group that's over two or three people, you have to take a number of them and get scattered. Oh. And we're very careful. If anyone gets sick or runs late, we want to know they're all under the same roof. Right. So we are pretty big about creature comforts. We include all meals and really good hotels. Oh, isn't that nice? All meals are included. And we were talking about this. You know, I really like that aspect of it because the idea of you all, you know, eating together, it, it's just so much more social that There's way. There's huge than, bonding. Yeah, you know, it's tremendous. And it's a lot of trips are cheaper. I know that. But they usually say three quarters of the meals you're on your own. And Cuba's not the easiest place to get around on your own. It's getting easier. But I don't think I'd want to fend for myself and try to find good restaurants. You know, the travel guides are getting better, but it's still so good to have an inside line because we didn't have a bad restaurant. You know, and then you, uh, oh, that's great. And, and to say the food was just wonderful. It and really was. Before you had this, everything was boiled. It was pretty <laughs> mediocre. We had a few good ones that were private, <laughs> yeah. but the change in a year... You know, there are a couple of things that happened when, when Washington, D.C. opened the island up for us all in 2015-16. I don't know if you're aware of this, but the Europeans got panicked because they were using Cuba as their beach. I have a lot of relatives in Germany, and they were all, forget Florida, we're going to Cuba. It's more exotic, uh-huh. great beaches. And the Europeans have always been able to go directly, and the money goes far. But they then got panicked. With the Americans coming in, we're going to ruin the island. So I spoke more German in 2016 than I could have even spoken Spanish. There were so many Germans I ran into. Oh, really? And Canadians and South Americans because they felt the Americans are now going to ruin the island. We've got to get here. So huge change. I saw a little less of that by 2017. I think things were starting to, you know, get on a more even keel. Now, on this particular trip, how do you get there? Because... Well, you were saying Alaska Airlines is no longer flying Sadly, direct. they gave up direct flights. The first time we had to get to Miami, and we don't include airfare. We figure people are coming from all over the country. We have a meeting time and place. And then we did a charter across to Havana. And speaking of it being close, the flight is so short that they can't finish the drink service. Oh. You know, you're trying to finish yeah, your Coca-Cola, and they're pulling it out of your hand saying, we have to land. Yeah. You know, because you never actually level off. You go up and down. It's so quick. 
So when we went the second time, Alaska had instituted their direct flights from L.A., and that was a joy. We boarded in L.A., got off in Havana. But the demand has dropped so much that they stopped those flights. So now you can do JetBlue, but you have to get to Florida and then connect from Florida. So we're debating now. We'll see what will be the case in the spring next year. There have been so many changes. We're kind of playing it by ear. But we're hoping we can get direct flights, but not from L.A., I'm afraid. Well, I yeah, I hope you do. And I, it's too bad everybody thinks the Americans are going to ruin things. I guess um, uh, diplomatically, though, you know, it may even be less next year. We don't know yeah. uh, what their policies are going to be. It's hard to say. And when you and I were talking in preparation for the interview, I, I was intrigued when we were leaving Cuba last May to see a Russian tanker coming in with oil because Venezuela can't sell oil to Cuba much anymore because of their economic state. Oh, yeah. So now the Russians, I think, are seeing a nice, and I'm not saying they're evil, but they're seeing an opening. <laughs> and, you know, we're giving them a foothold. And then I found out that the um, Chinese government is coming in and they're doing all their, their cell service in Cuba. And I wanted to cry. It's things we <laughs> should be doing. We should be They're doing 90 that. miles offshore. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, really it's, I don't want to get too political, but you can't help it sometimes. Well, now let's get back to the trip. Right. Uh, how do you get around the island? You have a really nice air-conditioned bus. We do, and it's a Chinese bus. A Chinese you find bus. Hyundai and Russian cars, and some Chinese cars are about all they have other than the beautiful vintage cars. They don't have a lot of newer cars, but they do have these newer Chinese buses. And we feel a little cut off sometimes from the population. Yeah. But as I said, we're willing to stop anywhere and interact with people. We never had a problem. But it does ensure that we're all together and we can get places. Um, I met a couple But it of, would be, in a way, nicer to, to all go in vintage convertibles, It right? would, and we do that, too. We could oh. not not do that. Um, in Havana, we always have a fleet of um, vintage convertibles that will go to dinner. Um, one time, I know that I was sitting in the seat that Castro had sat in because they have his limousines are now available for tourists. He doesn't use them anymore. Oh, and they're Russian limousines. <laughs> And they took us to dinner. And then the favorite are called tuk-tuks or coconut calves. And they look like a yellow coconut on three wheels. And they have a driver and two or three people sit behind open air like you see in Bangkok. That's how we got around on occasion. And that was sweet because you could lean out the window, take pictures. Or in the convertible, you have no roof. So you're shooting all over. It was fabulous for pictures. Well, you know, it sounds really fabulous. And so, listeners, you need to sign up for this trip. I'm thinking about it myself. But we are already running out of time. Thank you so much, Ray, for sharing all of your information about Cuba. It's an honor, Pat. Thank you so much for having me again. Great. Now, how do we contact you and sign up for the Cuba adventure? Or one of your classes in photography? Or in the business of art? He's, He's got a lot going on here. I recommend you can use my email, probably the safest way, is Ray Fortner, and it's P-F-O-R-T-N-E-R, as if the P wasn't there, no punctuation, at Gmail, or you can go to rayfortner.com, my site. But best is to email me about what classes are coming up. I teach a lot at Daniel Smith, Bellevue College, UW. I'd be happy to share that information. And great classes. I've taken some of them. Thank you. Yeah. Be sure to listen in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. drive time for Artbeat Northwest for news and views on the local art scene. I'm Pat Polly, signing off on Alternative Talk 1150. Have a great creative week. <laughs>